on this week's episode of The Mom Mike. Being aware of the little girl. I mean, she is the person who is being raised by Maria, by, I forgot, uh, what did you say, Gloria? Gloria, uh-huh. <laughs> by Gloria. Um, and she gets uh, her messages about the world, about who she is, what she's worth, um, where her boundaries should lie from watching not only her direct relationship with her mother, but watching how her mother relates to the world. Hey, mommies. I am your host, Rose Sims. I am an entrepreneur, a business owner, wife, yoga lover, designer, and a boss. I am a mother of four beautiful babies from nine years old to eight months. But we know that in the beauty of all of our blessings of our children comes challenges. So this community is a safe space where you can come and enjoy the conversation of motherhood. To be safe, to be transparent and authentic about your journey. We will provide you with resources so that you can be empowered on your journey of motherhood. So without further ado, welcome to The Mom Mike, where you always give yourself grace. Good morning, moms. I am excited about this episode that we're about to dive into. I just wanna thank you ladies so much for listening to the last episode on defining motherhood. It was a fantastic time. And I think there were so many nuggets that were cool from that podcast that we can carry on into our motherhood journey. So this episode today, we're in for a treat, most definitely a treat for you guys to, you know, be able to unpack and be able to use some practical things on your journey of motherhood. Um, I know when we talked about Uh, defining motherhood in our last uh, session and episode, we talked about motherhood in the sense of, you know, how do we define it? What are those things that, you know, allow us to set the foundation for mothering our own children? And most of the women that were on that episode all expressed similar similarities on, you know, for them, it was a lot of what they experienced in their past as little girls and how their experiences, whether they were good or bad, impacted them as they mother their children and how it's carried on into their lives. So this episode, we will continue the work um, on discovering, you know, what that journey looks like and setting a foundation for motherhood. And our topic for today is healing my little girl from within to be the best version of mom that I can be. So all of us have this little girl that still roars up into us. She comes out all the time and we may not notice who that little girl is. So we have a very special guest who is here today, who is a sister, a friend. She's a mother. Um, She is a wife, fiance. She's just you know, so many things that she carries. She has her own business and she's really doing well. So I'm just excited for her to be here today. You know, she has the credentials. So, you know, we're not worried about those things, but she is setting the foundation for us on how do we heal that little girl from within to be the best mom that we can be. So I have my special friend here, Dr. Adrian Pigney, and I will allow her to introduce herself as she carries so many different roles and she does so much work 
in integrative wellness and life coaching. And I'll just allow her just to say hello to you ladies and just to introduce who she is. Hi, ladies. Hi, queens. Hi, moms. I'm so excited to be um, in this space today. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for having me and for trusting me um, with your followers. I appreciate that. So, uh, yes, I am Dr. Adrian Pinckney. I'm an integrative wellness and life coach, and I work with individuals, uh, groups, organizations on helping them get their ish together. Um, <laughs> My favorite client of all clients are uh, women, specifically Black women and Black girls, because we have so much work to do. Um, And I'm always excited when we do start doing our individual work because the collective impact is just phenomenal. Um, The impact that we have on our homes, on our communities, and, you know, ultimately the world when we get it it healed up and get it right. (laughs) So uh, I'm excited to be a part of that today. Y'all might hear one of my, my twins uh, hollering in the background. I think I just heard one hey, of them. That's, that's motherhood. That's what we do. <laughs> yes, I am a new mom. I new am. Mom. Um, yeah, nine months in. Twin girls, new mom. Little girls. And I, it was by far one of the best decisions I ever made. Absolutely. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Just wonderful, wonderful to hear that. So Dr. Pinkney would definitely lead us in conversation on this episode and give us some insight on how to heal that little girl that's screaming on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had some pleasure of doing some work with her, some healing work with her. So, you know, I can't, I'm talking from experience and it's still things that I am working on. And I believe that the healing process is just continuous. It doesn't stop. So, you know, I want Dr. Peeney just to come in, just to talk about, you know, Dr. Peeney, from your experience and women that you have, you know, coached and had as clients, you know, how do who is the little girl that we're talking about that, you know, our listeners may not know who she is and how to identify her? Who is that little girl? Okay, so before I answer anything about the little girl, (laughs) I want to do a little bit of groundwork um, that I think we should understand about mothers and the impact of mothers on the little girl. So I would first say um, there is no single human being on the planet Earth that can have the equal impact of a mother, period. So from the moment of conception, what she eats, you eat. (laughs) What she thinks you manif- you are sitting in engulfed in it, right? How she feels, it becomes cellularly who you are, right? Or at least where you start, at least where you're starting from. So if we are um, are if we are gestating in the womb of a depressed woman or of an angry woman or of a happy woman, or a loved woman that has a lot to do with how we understand the world and understand beginning relationships. Um, And it's not even just that that bond and that direct effect happens while we're in the womb. Even after we're out of the womb, we still latch on to mama, right? To no one else. (laughs) But we do not have this bond with anyone else. But, you know, and then for some of us who are never able to latch on to mama, right? But we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, with me being a new mom, understanding why my baby's got so much gas. Is this something I'm eating? Right. (laughs) And, you know, 
when we look at our children, we have to say, why are my children so angry? Why are my children so irresponsible? (laughs) Is it something in me that I'm putting in them? Um, And that impact is only from a mother, only from a mother. A father cannot have that immediate type of effect um, on who we become the same way that a mother can. And I think that's really important when we talk about the little girl and her relationship with her mom and herself. Yes. Yes. That's very good. Very good foundational work. Um, So true. Because, you know, we talk about a lot of times how I think last time we talked about in our previous episode, how we're so connected to our mothers Mm -hmm. and we're connected because we're coming from within them. You know, we, we started there. That's our foundation. And that foundation, not only just that we're connected, but it's pulling from everything, every aspect of that woman. So that's very good groundwork on, you know, just journeying into, you know, how did that, how did that little girl start? You know, where was mom at the time when I was being conceived and when I was, you know, in the womb and when I was born? Yes. Through that journey, like what that looks like and, and how do we get to that point? Right. And I think that really involves if we have the opportunity, if our mother is here or people who are around our mothers to to ask those questions about our early beginnings. Um, I remember when I asked my mother, you know, mom, what did, what did you feel like when you found out you were pregnant with me? What was going on with you and my dad? Right. And my mom, you know, she said, Adrian, I hate to tell you. She said, you know, I just had your brother. He was 17. Um, you know, my, me and my brother are 17 months apart. So she had just had my brother. And during that time, she was having a difficult time in her relationship with my father. Um, my family was directly affected by the crack epidemic. And, you know, we lived in a house in the suburbs on a cul-de-sac. My daddy was on straight crack, <laughs> right. you know, right. driving. <laughs> yeah. With, with a swing set in the back, back, <laughs> you know, that kind of, so you, a lot of times we talk about urban neighborhoods and the impact of mm-hmm. and drugs, but it was in my suburban home. <laughs> right. Your functional family. Yeah, with my we'll beautiful functional family. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> so anyway, my mom had just had my brother and she said um she knew something was wrong in her relationship. She said, I couldn't figure out why all the spoons in the house were missing, you know. And she said it was during this time. She was on birth control and everything, trying not to get pregnant again. Period was late. She said, when I peed on that stick and found out I was pregnant with you, I was devastated. Wow. And that made me feel like the first introduction of knowing that I was there, it was a morning and a sadness based on what was going on in her life, you know? And she said, you know, it was a difficult pregnancy um, and a difficult time in her relationship, a difficult part of, you know, who she was as a woman. Now, fortunately, my mother told me this when I was an adult woman, so I could receive it. I would not ever right. suggest anyone tell this to their young child you know, if their story isn't a beautiful one, right? Right. <laughs> so I could digest it as an adult because I could understand what it meant to have a relationship with a man. Um, yes. But it really helped me understand how later on in life, you know, for me, feeling wanted was so important. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, wow, I just felt, you know, like, wow, early I was already a little unwanted, unexpected, inconvenient, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things. And then it helped me understand why as a young woman, if somebody acted like they wanted me, girl, I <laughs> give them all my stuff. Okay? <laughs> all my stuff. 
<laughs> I had to learn to want myself. Yes. Yep. And you had to re I'm I'm sure you had to rework that. You know, that is a um that is a full um journey of healing yourself. Like, mm-hmm. but the but the key is that you started from the beginning, because I don't think that as women we have those conversations with our mothers. Mm-hmm. You know, having that open dialogue, mom, you know, where were you at this time? And when I was conceived, you know, when you found out I was pregnant, you know, what were you going through? What, mm-hmm. what did life look like for you? I don't think that we have those conversations. Mm-hmm. That's so important, so key, you know, for mothers. Like, if, even if you're not a mother yet, you're inspiring to be a mother. You know, being able to draw back to that place and identify early can help, you know, prevent things in your own mothering that, mm-hmm. you know, you have to apply in that space that can be a heal space for you before you even go in. Right. And I think that's why it's so important. And I encourage all of my clients to do this at a point to separate your mother, mommy, from right. Maria, uh-huh. or whoever <laughs> your mother's name is, whoever Teresa is, or who Harriet was, or who, you know, who Gloria was. That's what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> yes, because I think a lot of times our inner child, even as an adult, we're always you know, um, wanting mommy and mommy, mommy, mommy. mommy. And one of the things that really helps us understand mommy was Maria. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Mommy had her stuff. Mommy was going through her Yes. Yes. Yep. So good. So good. That is so, so, so good. Because even now, you know, our kids, you know, whatever stage, if you have children, whatever stage they're in, you know, they're, they're wanting mommy. But they're not one, they're not doing Rhonda. Like, what's going on with Rhonda? Like, you know, what things are going on? She's, you know, trying to run a business and she's trying to manage four kids and she's married and she's trying to balance everything. But what's really going on in Rhonda's head? You know, they don't have the capacity to know that now. Wow. <laughs> so that's that's so helpful. It is. It it really, really is. And you know, for me, understanding all the Um, importance of the early interactions with mom and understanding who she is. I feel so hyper accountable for everything that I do and Mm -hmm. say around my daughters. And it was so interesting for me because I'm a NICU mom. And Mm -hmm. so I had babies that I didn't even get to hold immediately because they were so small, right? That I had to wait a week to get them out of the incubator so that I can hold (laughs) my baby. Right. And so you know, but that's the story I'm going to have to tell my daughters. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, mommy had to wait a little while to even get to you. And I used to feel guilty when I went home to go to sleep. (laughs) Yes. Like my babies are still at the hospital. I'm at home. You know, that's a different experience. That's a different, you know, trauma, like, Mm -hmm. you know, for you and for the girls. Yes, it is. And that's your next episode down the line on Nikki <laughs> Moms. Nikki Moms are definitely in the queue for sure, because that's a different experience. And that's that's one that deserves to be talked about for sure. Yes. Yeah, it's a very unique experience. But yeah, so being aware of the little girl, I mean, she is the person who is being raised by Maria, by I forgot uh, what you say, Gloria. Gloria uh-huh. by Gloria. Um, and she gets uh, her messages about the world, about who she is, what she's worth, um, where her boundaries should lie from watching not only her direct relationship with her mother, but watching how her mother 
relates to the world. Wow. That's so, so- mm-hmm. <laughs> So for me, you know, my mom, I watched my mother love a very dysfunctional man. Mm-hmm. Um, and if she was hanging on to him, we was hanging on to her and right. we were being dragged. Right. Right. By his stuff until she decided to let go. Yes. And um you know, the impact of those early messages on my adult relationships were profound. Yes. Yes. Profound. I mean, there are certain things I will never forget. My mother, and and on a positive note, my mother was never cheap about me, right? Early on in life, I remember shopping with my mom and saying, we don't wear pleather. (laughs) (laughs) My mother smelling the shoes, looking at the inside to make sure you know, and there were there were messages I got as a young woman about, you know, what I deserved and worth. And mm-hmm. I always knew that I was worthy of looking nice. I always right. knew that I got good lotion because this this lotion is water. You know, <laughs> just, just that, you know, I, I always had that. My mother would always invest in my skincare or my teeth or my presentation. But then there were other things um, right. more so about the mental and emotional, not what it looked like, but what it felt like that I got some early messages that were extremely harmful. Yes. And it took me a long time to unlearn, um, you know, the idea that, it, you know, um, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. Fix your face, suck it up, that kind of stuff. You know, in a lot of ways. Yes, yes. Yep. Right. Yep. Fix it before I fix it for you, that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, I had learned very, very early, even in the midst of dealing with a lot of trauma and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of inconsistencies. I learned how to suck it up. Yes. Put an outfit on it (laughs) and make it 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 look all right. Yes. Make it look cute. Make it look cute. And make it look so cute. So um, hurting on the inside though, you know, burying it burying it and that's you know I I listened to what you said because I want to go back to something that you mentioned is you know there were certain areas of your mom that were strong and then certain areas that were not you know did it give you an opportunity when you were healing with your mother to look back at your grandmother you know because a lot of times that those things are generational you know they continue to pass on and pass on you know how far did you go back to look at the impact of how did my mom get here? How did my grandmother get here? You know, where was she? Where was my great grandmother? All of those things are perpetual. Girl, let me tell you, if I said my word was unwanted from the beginning, my mother, uh, my grandmother got pregnant. She was the first one to go to college. Like, you know, she got pregnant in college at Fayetteville State University, right? She was, <laughs> Uh, 19 years old and pregnant and her first energetic um, feelings toward my mother were shame, guilt, unwantedness, all of those things. And then let's go back from my grandmother, her, she was actually given away by her own mother, right? Talk about unwantedness. Unwanted throughout. (laughs) You just see it. You can see it, you know, And, and all of this happening with daughters. Specifically with daughters, because my great grandmother actually ended up having other children after my grandmother and she kept them kids. Wow. My grandmother away. 
Right. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just what you meant um, bring up right now is so profound. And this is why ancestral work matters in healing. It does matter in healing. It does. Yes. And you have to know who you are, you know, for people who um, are adopted or for people who um, are not raised with their family of origin. There are so many questions always. You see people spending thousands of dollars, years, finding yes. people so that they, not so they can understand who those people are, but so that they can understand yeah. who they are. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's so profound. That is so profound because I think as we get, I don't think we think about those things in our 20s and 30s. I think as we start to really develop and know, like, you know, who am I? I think that hits, I mean, for me, it hit, I will say, in my 30s. Like, just to kind of sit back and reflect on, okay, why do I react this way to certain things? Why do I respond this way to certain things? Why do I mother a certain way? Why do I respond to my significant other a certain way? You know, that's when I wanted to start doing the work of who am I like 30 years later, I'm really like looking at that. And I think that's a long time. And I, you know, I think that we have to start earlier to really reflect on who we are. You know, I know you do a lot of work with young girls, you know, how do you start with them to identify who is this woman that I am becoming and how do I change the, the harmful things that may impact you later? You know, you can catch that early. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I think giving young people permission to question and challenge even their own parenting mm -hmm. and who their parents are. So, for example, I've had several I had a session one time with a group of girls, probably between the ages of 14 to 17. And we were just talking about wellness and well-being. And one of the girls starts sharing this story, which is essentially my mama is so crazy. Like, <laughs> Y'all, my mama is crazy. This was her story. She was like, my mom, she is so mad all the time. She got mad at me this morning and chased me around the house with a broom, you know, and she's literally telling a trauma story. Wow. But she's saying it like, wait, you started your morning literally running from someone in your own home, your safe space, right. trying to hit you. With the broom, but she's saying it because it's so like normal. Like, y'all, my mama crazy, right? <laughs> and and in that story, the young ladies start to go around the room and trump each other with how crazy my mama Their is. mothers were. <laughs> right? How crazy my mama is. And me and my girlfriend, she was co-facilitating this with me. We're just sitting here, like wow. they don't even, you know, like hear like how important. This is and who they are becoming. Like they can't connect yes. that yet, you know? And so um, it was so interesting because I said to the one of the girls, I said, so is your mama crazy for real? And she was like, yeah, she's for real crazy. She's crazy. And <laughs> I said, okay, so what does it mean for you if you're being raised by a crazy person? Wow. Wow. And then she did what most children do. She started to minimize and protect her mom, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, she's not really, really, you know, like... She's not yeah. that bad. Yeah. <laughs> you get chased around the house with a broom. But unfortunately, we as children um, often do exactly that when it comes to processing our own pain and trauma, specifically caused by mama. Yes. She is let off the hook, not held accountable more mm -hmm. than 
anyone else, you know, I love women. I love black women because I love myself and I right. love black women, but I love us so much. I'm going to call us out on some of our stuff right. and many ways that we have historically been parented and sometimes continue to parent are flat out abusive, mm-hmm. are mean, are going to create um, emotionally uh, shut down children. Right. Right. <laughs> um, are going to lead to mental health issues. Yes. Yeah. Like, what do you mean she can't look hurt when she hurt? Right, right. What do you mean she can't look <laughs> mad when she mad? What, right. What are you trying to get this child's face to do? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, and what about you is so affected by the look on her face? Right. Yeah, you know. Anyway, Expressing that emotion, being able to, I think because a lot of times our mothers you know, they have um, suppressed, you know, those emotions. And, you know, of course, we always talk about the woman always presenting this, I am strong, I don't need anybody, you know, I can do this by myself. Being in that space is very um, harmful to our children because we allow them to repeat the same thing, not allowing them to say, mommy, I'm having a bad day. I'm not having a good day. I am sad. I am hurt. You know, those are emotional words. I remember going through uh, the the coaching with you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times whenever I define how you always will ask, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. And I, I would come back and I would not express an emotional word mm-hmm. or a word that is attached to emotion. I would deflect. And that's what we do oftentimes. So we are teaching our kids the same thing. So it is a perpetual action that they're that they are seeing that they are also taking that is actually very harmful to their mental capacity as they continue to grow. So we, you know, as mothers, we have to do a better job at expressing how we feel, you know, being able to cry in front of our children. Yes. And being able to be vulnerable. We talked about vulnerability the last episode. And what that looks like, we have to be able to fill that space and be able to be okay with being vulnerable with our kids. Because <laughs> it's going to create healthier children. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just thinking about the lack of, first of all, thank you for your vulnerability today. <laughs> I see you, queen. I see you, queen. <laughs> that was awesome. Um <laughs> So uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, my mom, that strong black woman. You know, Mm -hmm. I saw my mother very much that way. I saw my mother as surviving my father. Right. And she finally left. I saw my mother as a victim in a lot of ways. It took me years before I held my mother accountable. Like she won't no victim. She signed up for that crazy mofo, <laughs> you know. But it took me a lot of counseling before I could hold her accountable for herself because she was my mother. Of course, I wanted to let her off the hook. So anyway, um, watching her be strong, watching her um, take care of everything and everybody, led me to, first of all, having a bit of a role reversal with her. I used to feel the need to take care of my mother's feelings. Absolutely. I used to feel the need to grow up and be strong and be competent to take care of her. Right. Yes. Um, so talk about the ultimate role reversal. If you could see my mother going through and I, as a child, am holding her saying, it's going to be OK, mommy. Right. 
what? Right. <laughs> Don't this look like crazy? <laughs> but in how that affected me as I grew up, I did not know how to let people take care of my needs. I didn't know that my needs mattered. I thought when something mm-hmm. went wrong that I should become this super person yes. who can fix things. Yes. <laughs> right. And so if I grew up as a fixer, like many black women do, if I grew up as someone who is a caregiver for others, then I had no needs. And I often found myself in relationship with people who needed to be fixed. Absolutely. <laughs> Unhealthy. Lord. And you were always at a deficient because you were always helping. Yes. And not needing the help or yes. feeling like you needed the help. So you were always deficient. So you were working out of a space of deficiency all the time. All the time. With, with lipstick on in the outfit that matched. <laughs> and it wasn't pleasant. pretty though. You were pretty working. <laughs> so girl. Dying inside. Going home and having straight anxiety attacks. Anxiety. Mm-hmm. Ooh, insomnia. I mean, talk about hurting in my body, you know, and... I mean, I'm glad that I was able to start doing some more work on myself. And the work is constant. So I still work on myself. It's constant. Yep. But um, I was, I'm glad that I was able to do some of that work before I became a mom. <laughs> mm. That's incredible. Because, it, you know, some of those things you're like, okay, I don't have to worry about putting that into my babies because I've already healed that place. So what was the awakening point for Dr. Pigney? Like, how did you get to the place of, you know, I know this is a part of your work, but also how did you get to the place of just saying, okay, because I, I think first that we have to recognize the fact that we need to be healed. Mm. You know, we have to confess that. How did you get to that space of saying, okay, I noticed these things. I want to fix them. I want to heal in this space. I noticed that, you know, since I was born, I felt unwanted. And then all of my relationships looking back, whether they were, you know, broken engagements, boyfriend or girlfriend relationships, you know, you look at those and say, what happened? You know, what was the issue in those relationships? Why they did not work? What made you start your journey or how did you, when did you start your awakening to wanting to know who Dr. Pitney was? When I got sick, like a lot of us, unfortunately, many Black women come to uh, prioritizing wellness when we are in breakdown. Um, so I had insomnia and anxiety so bad that I wasn't functioning well. I went to the doctor's office and they were about to put me on Ambien. And the doctor um, said to me, she was like, Adrian, I want you to try everything you can before you do Ambien because Ambien can be addictive. Right. So, um, it's like drugs, you know? And when she said the word addictive and understanding that I had a father who was on crack, I was like, "Ugh, I'm gonna have to figure something else out. So that really put me on the road to healing. And I was emphatic around doing what I had to do to get to sleep. (laughs) And one of the things I realized, I don't sleep well with you because you crazy. So let me get out (laughs) the bed with your crazy butt. And if I was wrapped, wrapped up in the bed with wrapping my legs around and kissing on crazy, what the hell was wrong with me? Right. (laughs) So then I got to start digging into why was it so comfortable for me to be so intimately tied to this dysfunctional person? Why was it so comfortable for me to be in a relationship with somebody who acts like my feelings don't matter? Yeah. Why was it so comfortable, (laughs) you know? And so that led me 
to the little girl and yes. all of the messages that she got about who she was, what she was supposed to do, um, what if if her needs mattered, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. And that led me to starting to heal her. And when we talk about the little girl, we all have different ones. I have a four-year-old who, you know, um, was watching her parents' dysfunctional relationship. I have an eight-year-old who was watching her mother become a single mother and be strong, but also taking care of, as a child, taking care of her mother. I have a 13-year-old who was going through puberty, right? (laughs) And navigating her body and if she thinks she's beautiful. I have a 15-year-old who is starting to deal with boys and has, you know, um, who grew up in a very white world and who is trying to figure out her hair and her skin and if she's desirable in a sea of whiteness, right? I have an 18. I mean, we have them all. We've got all girls and they all have different stuff. Yes. (laughs) All have different stuff and they all have different needs in our adult life. And so we have to be aware of each of them and mother those little girls. Yes. Mother those little girls within us so that they don't drive our decisions as adult women. So good. So when you say mother, so if I identify my little girl is this, you know, nine-year-old girl who witnessed, um, you know, domestic violence with my mother and father, you know, how do I start to mother her when she comes up? Because she's going to come up normally in a way that makes me feel like I need to protect me. So a lot of times with relationships, you know, it's hard to develop them because you want to make sure that you're safe. Or, you know, you, you put on this persona that I'm okay. I don't really need you, but I need you. I need somebody and I want somebody, but I'm going to always have this level of brick protection around me. How do I start to mother that little girl? Well, let me ask you, what does she need? What's her ultimate need? Her ultimate need is safety. She needs to feel safe. Got it. So, Rhonda, can you can can you um, describe this little girl for me for a second? What does her hair look like? What is she wearing? Tell me about her. I want you to bring her into the space. So the little girl is she wears a ponytail. Okay. Um, she is in between. You know, like she she knows she's a girl, but she likes sneakers and jeans and t shirts. Is that little girl who's trying to you know figure herself out? Okay. So she is um, into sports okay. and she, she's just, you know, she's, she's a middle child. She is, you know, always been independent. So she's learned how to kind of survive on her own because a lot of times middle kids are, you know, they're like, you know, my parents were like, Hey, you can figure it out. You'll be fine. I'm not worried about her. She's that little girl. Okay. Okay, so that means she's very highly functioning. If she became the child that no one's worried about, now I, I'm worried about your brother and I'm worried about your sister, but you're yeah. gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. Yeah, yeah. So she is not being recognized that she's a child too. But anyway, we, we can do more work on her another day, Rhonda. Okay, so here she is. I can see her. I see her with her ponytail. I see her it's probably around the 90s. She's got kind of an escape style going on, a little, yes. little girl. Yeah, I see, I feel her vibe. <laughs> Beautiful. 
So you said she needs safety. She needs safety. How you mother her is when you start to feel unsafe, when that little girl who grew up watching domestic violence starts to feel the need for protection or feel that something's wrong or in a relationship, I feel the need to run or in a relationship, I feel the yes. need to come fighting like with my words or with my body to let you know, you know, I'm not the one because Rhonda, you little. So I'm <laughs> sure... <laughs> I'm sure you got some fighter energy on you, right? The little ones be the feisty ones. That's right. Be feisty, feisty girl. What you would do is you would take the adult woman that you are, the beautiful adult woman that you are, and you would get that little girl with the ponytail, with her little baggy outfit on, and you know, with her little vibe, and you get her and you say, I got you, baby. Gotcha. I'm I'm here now. And I am a big girl. I have a job. I have agency. I have a cell phone in case we're ever unsafe. And I am committed to protecting you more than anybody else in the whole wide world. So you don't have to fight. You Mm -hmm. don't have to run. You don't have to do any of those things because I got us now. That's good. So good. Now. And I'm so sorry. You got to tell I'm so sorry that your mommy didn't keep you safe. I'm so sorry, but essentially you're saying, but I'm your mama now. But I'm your mama now. <laughs> I'm your mama now. Yeah. And you continue to do that until that little girl knows that she can trust you, that she can trust you to make a good decision and partner, that she can yes. trust you to leave when it's time to go, that she can trust you to um, advocate for what she needs because she needs safety. She needs somebody to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> You know, I need you to calm it down, you know, not to say that you're going to let your child make all your decisions. But if you are trying to heal that child, you have yes. to be in a relationship with a partner who recognizing who recognizes that Rhonda's need for safety is something that she is trying to heal. So I can't keep triggering her shit, excuse me, and expect her to stay here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. OK. So. But I, I just literally, and I, and I encourage everybody else on this call, see yourself, go get your child. You got to literally go get her. Go get her. And scoop her up and put her in your bosom. Let her cry and say, I got you now. That's so good. So, so good. Because I believe most moms, I think that they are aware of who their, who their little girl is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if they sit you know, just take some time to reflect on what things have been consistently impactful to them, you know, on their life journey, they can find who that little girl is. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's practical work, you know, take some time to sit and meditate, take some time away from the kids, you know, because we know we're always in full mom mode and just set some time for yourself to be intentional about identifying you're a little girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. That inner child work is so important. And if you are in an intimate relationship with somebody else, recognizing that they got one too. They do. <laughs> <laughs> and the goal is that your children are not being in interaction with each other. Yes. Like, that you're managing your little girl. He's managing his little boy. Everybody's taking care of their inner child. So you can both show up as adults in the relationship. Because if you don't, you got two hurt, traumatized kids. That is true. Along with the kids in the house that you're raising. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Lord. Lord. So you, you have multiple kids in the house. 
And it's good if you let your partner know what some of your inner child stuff is. Like one of mine is around abandonment. So my father ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, in my mind, I said that I was unaffected by it. But as I became an adult and I started dating, I, I didn't realize that I never wanted to be left. But I would leave anybody in a minute because I was a step ahead of ever leaving or letting somebody leave me. Right. Right. So I used to abandon the hell out of people when stuff (laughs) got hard. If it got, you know, complex, I would be the first one out of here. I mean, you're not going to get me. Yep. And then (laughs) I also came from, you know, watching my parents toxic relationship. And we used to have to leave in the middle of the night sometimes because my father was Mm -hmm. so unpredictable. So whenever something got a little tense, I always felt like, I know where this can go. I'm out of here. Right. So in my relationships, I always had my bags packed emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. financially. I always had my bags packed and at the door. <laughs> so, I mean, literally, I could pack up a house in my mind in 30 minutes. Like, I could be out of here. <laughs> so now I have uh, my partner who understands that I have a little girl who, yes. um, who was abandoned, who struggles to believe that she could stay somewhere right and so now sometimes when we have little tense conversations or whatever we have in here I feel the need to go (laughs) and I have a partner who understands that and he's like baby okay I know you want to go for a walk right (laughs) I know you need to get out of here you know, take your time. I'll be right here when you get back. And the fact that he says, I'll be right here when you get back is amazing and so yes. healing because a lot of times when one partner abandons, the other partner abandons too. Yeah. <laughs> That's not you, yeah. And then nobody's in the room. No. But, and so when I come back after I went and dealt with myself, right? Not even him. After I dealt with myself and my inner right. child, who I'm like, you're safe. It's okay. <laughs> this is not your daddy. <laughs> and I could get her to come and get past my ego, right? So I could yes. walk back in the house. Um, you know, it's nice to have a partner who understands that that's something that I'm still working on. And then one day, you know, it's going to be like, hey, it's hard and tough. And you know what? I can just stay right here. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you and you're growing to that space. So the kids that you identified, and he identified it. And then, how does your little girl? You know what? What things have you seen? Because you're a new mother. You're nine months in. Mm-hmm. What things have come up in your mothering um, that has? <laughs> you can just you know you can do one thing. I know there's probably multiple things, but what things have come up in your mothering that you have identified? as work you've done or continuously are doing that you are either keeping the babies from your girls from or noticing that you may be doing it. Oh my God. I would first say control, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, growing up in an unpredictable environment made me feel like being in control was the way I kept myself safe. So keeping my room in order, being ahead of things, blah, blah, blah. And had I had one baby, I could probably have kept some of that going, but it's two of them. It's two. And it's one of me. And you know what? I can say all day 
Y'all are going down at 7.30. Y'all are going to bed at 7.30. And Lily will be looking at me laughing <laughs> at 7.30, <laughs> playing with her toes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not doing a day. And I, it has definitely humbled me to um, understand how much I've had to let things go. Yes. And to make space for somebody else and who mm-hmm. they are and how they function. Oh, my God. My whole little ego, I've been so humble. (laughs) I will say they're going to wear this cute outfit and this is going to be what the day is going to look like. And Belle will blow that thing out in a second. (laughs) (laughs) And it's over, you know, and I'm definitely learning how to be flexible. Um, Also, how to make space for somebody else with very different needs. Some rolling down the street. Um, Belle is. Uh, this most sensitive little baby. Oh my God. She's so sensitive. The look on your face, because the wind blowing a certain way will just <laughs> totally send her into to meltdown. And I've definitely had to learn to make space for that type of sensitivity. Yes. Um, at first I found myself judging her a little bit, like for real, Belle. For real. Like you know about my heart and tough. What you doing? Like what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, oh, my God. But I've had to learn to honor her and say, you know what? The yes. wind blew a different way. And that was upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> that was. And I and I see you and I have space. And if that's what this looks like at nine months, I don't know what this is going to look like at 19. But I'm here for it. Um, that's so, so good. So good. And giving them an opportunity, too, to have a new experience and a better life. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. And then, you know, dealing with processing that. Because, you know, there's an inner child inside of me who's jealous. Right. 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 I didn't have that growing up. Like, you know. Yeah, I think I think we do reflect on that a lot. I think about my kids a lot, too. You know, and how, you know, we're like, okay, I want to set up. You know, I want to be able to give you the opportunity if you want to go to college, that you don't have to pay for school. And then I'll be at all of your parent weekends, like the things that I wanted when I was, you know, going through college and, you know, in that space. It's like, oh, my God, I'm so jealous right now. Like, yeah, you know, you can't throw that in their face. You cannot throw it in their face or expect them to be highly appreciative of it. Right. Because (laughs) that's their life. Yes, that's their normal you know, yeah. Belle and Lily are eight months or nine months old, but they already went out the country. Right? They got right. a passport stamp. Who are these little diva girls? <laughs> but that's going to be their normal. They're having a whole mm-hmm. different experience. And I'm grateful to be able to provide it for them. And I have to say to the little girl within me, you know, it's OK, baby. You went on a trip, too. You just went when you was 28. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yours just took a little bit longer. It's OK. It's a little longer, but you went, too. You're OK. <laughs> so I, it's, this has been great work i um i think that our listeners will be able to just really take on some some actionable things and, and put into their journey i know one of the things that me and you talked about is you know how do we give them you know our moms actionable steps to start healing tools and resources that you've used you know with moms that you have coached and um, mentor, you know, what are some things that you can kind of give them to add to their um, their armor as they continue the healing process and continue to go throughout their journey? Um, 
So one thing I think is really important is you always know what needs to be healed by the thing that you're going to do differently in your parenting, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you say, oh, my mom used to yell at me all the time. I'm not yelling at my kids. Or, you know, she used to never show up at my events. I'm going to show up at all my kids' events, right? (laughs) You're definitely, that's one of the biggest signs of where you have been hurt when you're trying to fix it through your own parenting. Which is okay, but I think it's important that we find a balance because oftentimes what we do is we go to the opposite end. Um, And that means that we're not healing our child, that we're actually letting our hurt child run the show. Your mother never came to any of your events and your your child says, I'm going to all my inner child says, I'm going to all my kids events. Right. And so you find yourself stressed and overwhelmed trying to make it to every game, every practice and all that kind of stuff. That's not healthy either. That means that your child, your hurt little child is running your life (laughs) instead of you making a balanced adult decision, which is I choose to show up at, at as many events as I can. I will be there at the really important moments, but I can also understand that I'm somebody else's mama too, that I have my own self, that I'm somebody else's partner and I can't make it to everything. That is a more balanced, healed way of honoring um, that there needs to be some healing, some generational healing, but doing so in a healthy and balanced way. So good. I would first say recognizing what it is in your parenting you're trying to fix. Um, I would definitely also say recognizing that (sighs) I say this to moms all the time, and I think a lot of moms have a hard time with this, but that's okay. (laughs) When you are effectively mothering someone, you are working towards eliminating yourself or the need for you. So to be a really good mother means that you are making your child so competent that they don't need you to kiss their boo-boo anymore, to uh, help them process their feelings, to uh, help them buy a house or whatever, 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 right? So you're working to create a fully functioning independent, you're working to cut the umbilical cord in every way. Yes. <laughs> and when we're not healed and healthy, we are afraid of having children who are very independent, who know their own feelings, who can function without your permission, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are different levels of that, what that looks like for a young child and you know a teenager. But uh, I think just that kind of awareness, I, to be a really, really good mother, I am teaching my child to be fully okay without me. Yeah. That's scary. That is scary. It's very scary. It's scary. But once we're aware of that, it affects how we parent. Um, yeah. And, I mean, and mothering can be such an ego trip. <laughs> God, even for me now, and my kids love me. They'll cry with everybody else. And then, you know, I pick them up and they just stop. I have never had that kind of effect on anybody. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they love me. <laughs> you know, and it's so easy to start to think this person belongs to me. Yes. Um, but they don't. Yeah. They don't. And my, my sweetheart, Lily, um, Lily is, she reminds me of myself a lot. And she even looks like me. And, um, you know, Louise calls her my mini me and I keep having to say, no, she's not. She's not my mini me. Lily is here to be Lily. She come from me. She will probably have a lot of qualities because she's going to grow up watching me, but that is not me. 
Nope. Nope. And cause I'm, I'm working on stopping that whole, um, I've brought you in this world. I can take you out. Yeah. You belong to me more than you belong to yourself. I remember another one my mother used to say was, I know you better than you know yourself. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how is that possible? That's not possible. Right. But just to disempower someone, to make them question, do I know me? Do I know how I function? Mm -hmm. Lily, hey, Lily, you know you better than anybody else, baby. Can you tell me who you are? Yes. Can you tell me what's hurting you? Can you tell me what's wrong? Mm-hmm. You you are the the uh, agent in your life. You know I'm yes. just here to guide you, try to keep you safe, help you fly. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I'm here to do. Um, but it's it's definitely a different approach to uh, parenting. So what else would I say? Something else I would definitely say to moms um, in doing the work is loving your child well um, takes you loving. I am a hundred percent to committed to loving Belle and Lily's mom. Mm. To keep Belle and Lily safe, I have to keep Belle and Lily's mom safe. To keep Belle and Lily happy, I got to keep Belle and Lily's mom happy. So um, making sure that you are committing to yourself first so that you can be that loving, present mom. You got to make yourself safe to make your kids safe. Yes. You got to make sure your needs are met to meet your kids' needs. I got to eat so Bella and Lily can eat, you know, because they still breastfeeding. So, you know, right. I, I got to get some sleep so my milk stays in so I can keep feeding these kids. So, absolutely. Committing to your self care is an important part of being a good mother. It is. Yeah, it's huge. It is probably the most important part, I think. Most important, the foundation, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think we neglect it often because we get up and we get caught in the busyness of life, of mothering, and we forget that we are part of this process too. Mm-hmm. We are the we are the main highlights of the process. Yeah. We neglect we often neglect us first. Mm-hmm. And and think that's being a good mother. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and I keep saying like. I can't let myself look bad because Bella and Lily going to look at me and think that it's okay. <laughs> walking around here looking crazy. So let me put a little, let me put some earrings on. That's right. Or something so that they'll know that it's not okay for you to let yourself get run down, taking care of other people. <laughs> yes. yes. Very true. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Pinkney, I just thank you so much for your time, like for your just always being so real, which is what I love about you so much. Like, you know, she's the sweetest person, but she'll cuss in a minute. She'll cough in a minute, but then she'll bring you back. <laughs> and she talk about me being small. She's tiny too. And she's, a firecracker. <laughs> and she's such a firecracker. And I'm just, I'm just inspired by you, by your work. I'm inspired about, about what you do and how you impact women in your practice. Um, if you can just, you know, tell listeners where they can find you, you know, if they want to seek you for a resource, they know where to go. Um, just, you know, any handles or any websites that you want to kind of give them, you'll share that with them. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Be Well Coach. Be just the letter, not the word. Be period well coach. Um, and then bewellcoach.com, it's be well everywhere. Um, so we 
offer a positive word every day. I have women's groups. I have individual opportunities for you to come and do the work, you know, heal up that little girl so that you can fly as that mature adult queen that you are. Um, and I just thank you, Rhonda, for sharing your platform, sharing your space. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. So I always say to my moms at the end of each episode is to always give yourself grace each and every day. Um, you know, you have so much that you are caring. So give yourself grace until the next time, you know, we will, um, get together again and be inspired by a new episode. So share, you know, with people that you know who can benefit from healing the girl from within who are mothers who are on this journey with you together. So of course, always give yourself grace. We love you until the next time. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, don't forget to follow us on our Mom Mike social media and Instagram pages. Don't forget to leave us a review and comment about this week's show. And don't forget... Give yourself grace, mommies. Until the next time.